Hi, I'm Declan Quigley, and you're listening to Defying the Odds, a new podcast series brought to you by We Love Cycling Ireland. In each episode, I'll be speaking to a cycling professional or enthusiast who, despite facing many challenges along the way, has achieved something truly exceptional. Uh, joining me today is the brilliant Philippa Ryder, a woman who has faced many challenges in life and come out smiling on the other side, a bike rider who achieved representative honours and medal-winning success at 57, and who continues to be an inspirational role model and activist in the ongoing battle for equality, diversity and inclusion in Irish society. Uh, Philippa has penned a memoir, My Name is Philippa, an account of a fascinating life in which cycling has played an important part. Uh, Philippa, you're very welcome. Thanks for uh, for joining me. Um, let's, let's start uh, almost at the finish. Let's talk about the Gay Games representative <laughs> honours, uh, wearing the green of Ireland. It must have been a moment of great affirmation. Talk to us about uh, 2018. Thank you, Declan, for for inviting me onto this podcast. It was absolutely one of the highlights of my life. Um, to, and, oh my God, you've got me, you got me emotional already. Think, thinking of standing on the podium in Paris with a medal around me, with the Irish flag. There was no, there was no anthem because the gay games just aren't that big. Unfortunately, I would have been totally floored if if the anthem had been played as well, but. It was just stunning to to think that I that I could represent my country in my favorite sport, my passion. I mean, I use it for commuting, I use it for 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 leisure activities in general, and this was actually my first competitive uh, event, and I won two silver and a gold. Um, one of the silvers was uh, with with a team from Switzerland and Denmark. Yeah. So there were three of us and we managed to, to finish, get the, get the silver and it was absolutely amazing. It, it must have felt like the culmination of a journey. T- talk to me a little bit about what your journey has been. It's, uh, it's, it's a remarkable life that you've led. You've, uh, you've also had a remarkable family life, a, a wonderful relationship with Helen, which has endured through thick and thin, through the most uh, extraordinary, um, uh, I suppose, challenges. And uh, you've, everyone's been on a journey through it, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I was lucky enough to find Helen in 1980 and she has been my my rock, my support all through my transition because I am a transgender woman and that in itself is a challenge. But when you're when you're in your 40s and you've you really decide to transition to to move forward to your true self as Philippa, you can imagine the reaction of family and friends and work colleagues. And I have to say, I could not have asked for a better transition in that sense. I felt privileged because I had a job, because I had a wife and we had an amazing daughter, Jennifer, who's currently in Los Angeles, lucky devil with fabulous son and 30 degrees temperatures every day and so on. But it was a very difficult journey, Declan. Um, there were times when when we were arguing with each other. We, we don't do the shouting business, but but we, we certainly, you know, we cold shoulders and, and arguments and te- a few tears and so on. And there's, there were incidents which I'm not proud of in, during my transition, um, which I won't go into here, but... 
it was a very difficult time, very emotional journey. Um, it was a very personal journey because how many people actually end up questioning their gender identity? It's like I had everything else to worry about. I had bills to pay, work to go to, cycling to do. And it was really, really painful at times with all these with all these balls in the air, juggling them and hoping that nothing was going to fall because if something fell, then that would potentially be the end, yeah. you know. Um, it really was a very difficult time, but an incredibly joyous time as well. Well, well an amazing achievement because how many uh, marriages would actually survive that transition, that that change? Uh, but it sounds to me as if there was huge honesty in your relationship, right? From the, You met at a Star Trek convention, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you heard about that too. Yes, <laughs> yes. 1980, 20th of September. So it's our 41st anniversary together. Are you still Trekkies? We're still Trekkies. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're still Trekkies. And uh, yeah, pretty, pretty early on in the relationship, I realized that Helen was the was the one for me. And uh, yeah, we we moved on from there. But you explained that you um, had feelings or you had thoughts about your gender and that you, you are questions that needed answering right from more or less from the get-go. Yes, I did indeed, Jacqueline. Um, basically from around the age of 10, when I started trying on my sister's skirts and my mother's dresses and stuff. And my mother was an incredibly feminine and glamorous woman. Um she she was actually asked out by James Dean, would you believe? She was working in a corner shop and he was filming and he came in and he said, wow, you're pretty. Do you want to come out with me tonight? And she went, no, I certainly don't. <laughs> but that, that, to be honest, is where a lot of my femininity came from. I, I realized that I didn't like being a boy. I basically didn't like the whole business of putting on trousers and suit uh, suits and ties and so on. I wanted the dresses. I wanted the pretty nail polish. I wanted everything, you know, everything that my mother was. She was my, she was absolutely the person that I looked up to totally within our family unit. Um, my father and I got on great, but I think he, he regularly teased me. So, so in that sense, it was, it was more difficult with him. But as I went through my teenage years, this side of me would ebb and flow. And there were times when it just became too much. And I threw myself into sports. I played a little bit of football, a little bit of Gaelic. Um, but I always cycled to school. Yeah. Tell me about the bike. The bike. The bike was, it's just, it is freedom. It is the feeling and knowing that you're passing all the cars and you're, and you're, you know, and you're going to get in in a quarter of the time that most of those cars are going to get in was, was just wonderful. But it was just the freedom of it. The fact that you can just hop on the bike. I live in Tempelogue and I, I would easily get up to Enniskerry in about 35, 40 minutes. And from there, then Sally Gap or Powers Court or down to Bray or into the Wicklow Mountains. And the thoughts of that while getting exercise, feeling healthy, feeling, feeling fit is just, it's just an experience that those who sit in cars all the time on their, on their commute to work and so on, they can't experience. Um, it's just amazing to, to, to have that freedom. 
can you remember your earliest uh, experience of the bicycle? And yeah, <laughs> I I think I, that one. yeah I think I, I think I had a um, training wheels all right, um, but right from the very very beginning. I, I was I was out on the road with with my friends and, and so on, um, thoroughly enjoying the, the 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 feeling of just zipping around the place and getting in the way of cars and so on. And thankfully, in the, oh well, I did have a couple of accidents, but nothing serious. Um, hit by a drunk driver Christmas Eve. Um, back, Oops. yeah. Uh, but I got a new bike out of it, and, and the thousand pounds back then in nineteen eighty no nineteen seventy eight. So a thousand pounds was like serious money back in 1978. At a time when drunk driving was almost uh, almost compulsory. Yes, and, yeah, exactly. A honor, wasn't exactly. It, yeah. yeah, so you ruined my Christmas, but oh yeah. well. Made up for yeah, it later. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Well, well done on surviving that one. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Lots of challenges along the way. Yeah. Uh, was it, um, uh, I mean, one of my favourite books about cycling is Matt Seaton's The Escape Artist. Uh, oh. I don't know whether you're familiar with that book, but the uh, the idea of cycling, I mean, it's not always, mm. uh, you know, for him, I think it was a refuge um, as well as an important vehicle for, you know, just getting away from all his, his troubles. Do, you know, was, was cycling useful for you in that way as well? Oh, it was, I suppose. Yeah, because... I think I read somewhere that that you can't be in a bad mood when you're cycling. You know, it's it's just it's too We're nice. Going up hills when they rode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sally Gap, Wicklow Gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it is a refuge as well. Yeah, it's great to just clear your he- your head and uh, and and go on. You know, and just do 100k or whatever and when you were sort of competing in in field games and other sports football etc the bike was always there as a sort of a constant as a, a vehicle for transport etc of course it was yeah yeah i didn't really consider because i mean i grew up in the i was in school in the 70s there may have been clubs around in fact i'm sure there were i know there were i know orwell's i don't know what 60 70 years old um but I wasn't aware of them because you didn't have the internet, you know. Yeah, shock horror to all the younger people listening. But um, so I never really considered cycling as a as a sport. It was just a, a means of uh, of getting around the place, which it did very very well. Yeah, and so. Uh when your life starts to shift and change and you've made some important life decisions and i think i read that helen was struggling to keep up in 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 a way you know there was absolutely big, you know she needed to try and keep mm. up was that the phrase i read something yeah. like that um i mean was cycling was sport important for you was it important for her did she ride the bike now, that's a good question because um i was going to mention it earlier on about she grew up in leeds in a very built up area and she, uh, there was no chance that there, there was a bike in the house, but it was falling apart and her, I think her brothers and sisters had used it, but Helen just has no sense of balance. So, and I took her out recently on a bike and I swear to God, I thought, I thought we were going to have to pay for a fortune in repairs to cars and so on, because I was terrified of her running into them. She just has no balance. It's just one of those things, you know? Um, so no, cycling's not for her, but as regards me, I really started cycling. I, well, I joined Orwell Wheelers 
in about 2007, I think it was. Well, similar time to me, actually. Oh, I mean, really? We're both club mates, but yeah, uh, oddly yeah, enough, we yeah. uh, it's such a vast behemoth of a club that oh, we, we haven't just, uh, been out yeah. the same spins lately. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, around about the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I joined the women's group. Um, now, I hadn't transitioned at that stage fully. Uh, in fact, in 2007, I hadn't even changed my name by deed poll. Um, that, that happened in 2009. So I joined the women's group and... I didn't say anything about myself. I didn't say what I, what I was, who I was, um, apart from my, my name, Philippa Ryder. And I was accepted totally. And indeed, one of the one of the um, prominent members uh, recently just said that, yeah, we just accepted you as Philippa. We didn't ask any questions. We just, fine, whatever. Shocked, horrified, amazed, delighted, thrilled. Delighted, thrilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Were you apprehensive? Oh, I was very apprehensive. Because uh, unfortunately, the Lycra doesn't hide any bulges. So I was very conscious of the fact that, uh, yeah, there was a bulge that shouldn't be there (laughs) without going into detail. (laughs) So so I I did my best to hide it all the time. But as I say, I was totally accepted. And it, it gave me such confidence because cycling was my passion. But I mean, I knew Declan that I had a big event coming up in the coming years. It it turned out to be 2011 when I went for surgery and I wanted to be as fit as possible. So that's why I joined Orwell to kind of improve my fitness and my stamina and my recovery time. And it did all of those things and more. Um, And I made some very good friends in in the club was the community aspect almost secondary in a way or was it something you were expecting to get or i was it i suppose in a way it was secondary um my primary in um reason for doing it as i say was was fitness um but i found myself thoroughly enjoying it and i've only done the wicklow 200 once i did the wicklow 100 once as well and the wicklow 200 was such an achievement uh, 11 hours on the bike in horrendous rain. Um, yeah. Uh, with grown men crying at the top of, 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 uh, at the start. Uh, climbs. Yeah. Uh, no, not quite at the start, <laughs> but at, at climbs and ringing up, ringing up their wives and going, can you pick me up from whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were just the, the two friends of mine and uh, Nicole and Dorothy. Um, we, we struggled over the finish line. Yeah. But my God, what an achievement, you know. Did it feel like um, a sort of a, um, an allegory or a sort of a metaphor for all that you've been through? Well, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if I can do this, you know, 11 hours on the bike in the cold and rain and stuff. Although it did get sunny about half an hour before the end. So I think uh, I read that you came out in public in 2000. So okay. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, Declan. Um, yeah, I had chosen my name um, pre- just shortly before that. And because the internet was becoming more available. And what I did was I started chatting to people online and that allowed me to find some local people. And I ended up um, going to a club um, where I could change. And then pretty soon I was out on the town um, just enjoying being myself, being the true me. And it was just such a relief relief uh but also terrifying right because when i wasn't out out like to my colleagues to even even to some of my family members 
it was it was a case of going into work the next day or meeting up with family and going, oh, my God, have did they see me? Where did somebody say to them, right. oh, my God, you know, did you see your brother? He, he, he was out in a dress. Shock horror, you know, as if it's anybody else's concern as to what anybody does, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Um, hmm. Trans people just want to be themselves. Ireland 21 years ago, is it, has it changed? Oh, it has. Oh, it has big time. Some uh, slightly f- for the better and somewhat for the worst as well. Again, the internet. Um, it's very easy for keyboard keyboard warriors to say that, you know, to, to start commenting on, uh, negatively on various things. And that is, and I've been the subject of some negativity, but a huge amount of positivity as well. Um, marriage equality in 2015, the Gender Recognition Act, where I could get my true birth cert. So I now have a birth cert that says Philippa Ryder, issued by the government and everything, and it's it's and a passport as well. And it's it's great to to see that my country accepts me. Um, and it it was a tough very, very, very tough journey to get there because politicians just weren't interested in in either marriage equality. I mean, homosexuality was only decriminalised in 1993. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking 22 years after that, after that, that suddenly you've got marriage equality and you've got gender recognition. Brilliant. There's still work to do in the, in the gender recognition um, field. Uh, but... It's it's better. I mean, but th- then again, there is still some violence on the streets and yeah. there's negative comments and slurs and so on. So the the negativity is more visible than ever it was before. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. But but the amount of people that are negative, same people. Yeah, and and just looking at my Facebook feed, feed, it's about five to one in favor of me. Say then again, you know then negative comments you know so has your relationship with cycling changed or has it it has and it hasn't um i i don't go out on as many uh, club spins as i used to just for lack of time and it's really frustrating but i am retiring next year so i would expect that i'll be turning pro turning pro yeah 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 i've often seen it that uh yeah right at the who you know reach retirement age suddenly get that little spike of fitness yeah yeah the extra time to train yeah Yeah. there's a there's a few of them in norwell all right that i see yeah yeah spoofers and bangers yeah yeah So, uh, so, uh, and uh, I mean, can I ask, did the hormone treatment change your experience of cycling in any way? Did, uh, you know, what's it been like to ride the bike? Um, not so much the hormone treatment, though I did feel uh, that I didn't have the strength that I used to have. Um, and indeed, I was going to the gym on a regular basis as well. And about six months into hormone treatment, I discovered that I was not able to do the the, the weights and the, the, the various equipment the way that I had been. I, I would have estimated 20% less, which is a huge amount, you know, when you think of it. 20% less strength, essentially. So I suppose going up and down the the Wicklow Mountains, um, it did become more difficult. But in, but I mean, in, a, in some ways as well, Declan, and I've felt it over the past few years, 
age is yeah. an issue. It's hard to be completely objective because yeah. your life is is inevitably changing yeah. because of different stresses. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and um, one of my friends, one of my good friends, um, she was, is a yoga teacher, and she says, "Oh no, no, age is age is irrelevant. Age is irrelevant." And I say, "Look, you're 15 years younger than me. I know it's an issue, and I mean." I time myself going in and out of work, right? It takes me 35, uh, no, 25 minutes in, 10, we had a street from Temple Oak and 35 minutes home. So I know roughly my levels just on that because I, I, I could do, do quicker on the road bike, of course, but um, this is hybrid and it's got a bag with, hey, come on, I'm a woman, I've got a big heavy handbag and everything you know so <laughs> um yeah so i can so i can i can monitor my my speed my 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 endurance and so on and i'm pleasantly surprised that it hasn't been yeah. affected over the past kind of two or three years it hasn't really been affected well, it's cycling is a great leveler isn't it yeah. in terms of age it, it slows the rate of decline I yeah. Suppose. yeah it helps yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i was reading recently um that vastly reduced chances of cancer, heart disease, um, quite a number of other diseases, you know. So it really is, and this should be an ad advertisement for cycling because it it is just wonderful and it's low impact as well. Yeah. If you go out running, I, and I tried during lockdown last year, I said, oh, I'll start doing 5Ks. And I tried 1K and I was nearly dead afterwards. It's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. really is. Because you're using different muscles and you're, yeah. and you're, the feet are going pound, 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 pound on the ground. So it's really difficult. Um, I did eventually get up to 5K and, but I was never going to be anything decent. Whereas I, I felt that I could achieve something on the bike, you know. Uh, it's just, the bike is the way to go as you get older, you know, obviously. And, but I mean, you, you see 70, 80, 90 year olds on bikes. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's no excuses. Was cycling important for you in, in terms of as a pressure relief valve? Yes, it was. It was. Um, it, it, it allowed me to take my mind off things, um, concentrate on the road, concentrate on the, 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 the scenery and so on. And it was just, it, it helped immensely and any sort of exercise does that. But cycling, cycling would, would just the ability to hop on the bike and be up in the mountains or down by this, by the coast. I mean, in Dublin, we have such amazing um, facilities nearby, um, the likes of the likes of the, the, the sea and, and, and the mountains just make such a difference to your mental health and mental health is so important as well. And certainly cycling is, is absolutely yeah. the way to go. Um, it takes me about an hour, just over an hour to get up to Sally Gap and from then down to Lara and, and even down as far as Wicklow or Arklow or whatever. You know, it's, 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 it's unreal. And anybody who hasn't experienced it, I really think, you yeah. know, give yeah. it a go and don't worry about the, the cars and so on. Uh, the, the, there are people who, you know, drive dangerously, but the vast, vast majority of, of drivers are fine and will, will accommodate you on the road and so on. So, yeah, I think if you can try it, do it. Does cycling feature in My Name is Philip? Talk to me a little bit about the, this memoir. Was it um, 
Was it an easy thing to do? No, it wasn't. I really have buried my soul. Um, literally, there's some extremely personal stuff in there, uh, which people will be shocked at. And But I wanted to produce something, write something that would help other trans people. I started my journey essentially at age 10. And the memoir goes from around then up to my current situation. It Cycling does uh, is mentioned quite a bit. I mean, as we talked about earlier on, the gay games in 2018 were just incredible. And the fact that I could represent my country at them helped immensely. But there was a lot leading up to that. And... Um, I trained for the for the gay games with Matteo Sigala, um, and he was brilliant. He was he gave me a complete routine um, program, and I really felt prepared for the gay games. But, but even before that, I mean, joining Orwell and um, was was great as well. And I learned so much from from the various uh, women women and guys in the in in the club. Do, do, do you think cycling is, is particularly well positioned for uh, integration, acceptance, you know, and, and tolerance? Or, you know, have we a long way to go in, in cycling and how would you compare it to other sports? Um, I think it's uh, the likes of Dan Martin and Nicholas Roach and, and some of the other prominent um, Irish cyclists have helped immensely. But then you look at, you look at, the Premier Premier League being on every single Saturday, Sunday, you know, during the week as well. There's a long way to go before cycling could possibly compete with that. Do you find cycling as a sport, uh, it's it, it's easier to be out in, basically, uh, compared to other sports? Can you imagine uh, having come out to your football teammates? Mm, or, you know, mm-hmm. Sorry, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, Every sport would have its challenges, dressing rooms and showers and stuff like that. Um, cycling, I suppose, is easier in a way in that I can just cycle home and have my shower in, in peace there um, without in privacy, without um, having to worry about other people seeing me. This was obviously pre-transition. Right. Um, I, as I said, I felt totally accepted. And when I did come out to people, um, they went that's amazing well done you know the amount of support was 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 wonderful and nearly everybody said we had no idea um which was nice as well um re- reinforcement of of who i am and which is another area that is really important to me not to every trans person and indeed not everybody should should follow any one particular line of in their transition you know they should everybody should be accepted for the, who they are basically do you mean around identity or identity yeah around identity yeah. so uh, to get the support of the Orwell Wheelers members was was wonderful once I officially transitioned and came out to them um, it was great to, to, to get the comments and uh, all positive all positive you know how's sport doing in general um, we were just chatting very briefly before mm. um, before we started about um 
transgender athletes. It's it's a hot topic at the moment. It certainly it certainly is. Yeah, um, the Olympic Committee have uh, rules and regulations around trans, particularly trans women. Um, I would point out that in the Olympic Games, very very few trans women or trans people have won medals or even got into finals. You know, it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue and it's the, the right wing, um, particularly American or even British right wing press and on social media and so on that are making this far more of an issue than, than they should. I know that when I competed in the gay games, I was very careful. I knew that my testosterone level was way down on um, male level. It was well within the female level. And so for that reason, I said, I am definitely eligible to compete. Uh, there were no questions anyway. I mean, it's an LGBTQ community uh, uh, event. event, yeah. Mm. And it's worldwide and it, it's incredibly supportive. So I, but uh, in the back of my mind, I was thinking to myself, what if somebody said anything to me? And then I thought, no, I'm perfectly entitled to, to compete like this. Were there many other trans athletes at the event? There were, there were not so much in cycling, right. but um, yeah, in the in the event, yes, there were plenty of plenty of them. What sort of support do you think there is uh, amongst the official Ireland, amongst the authorities? Uh, I mean, you say you've had a lot of support in the civil service where you work, yeah. uh, but in general, do you feel like there's much done more to do or a lot more to do? Yeah, uh, a lot more to do, but yeah, yeah there, there is support there and uh, it's it's reassuring to get that support. Um, I think when I, when, I, when I started to come out, it was a case of I tried to minimize the effect on other people and to give just hints, small hints to people like wearing perfume, lip gloss, um, stuff like that, uh, just in the early days, just to kind of introduce the subject gently and make them realize, oh, maybe this person isn't quite what we thought they were. Uh, but once I did come out, I got a lot of support within my subsistence. Helen subsistence. was ahead of the curve, I guess. She'd oh, been she with was. you on the journey. Yeah. Um, for, for Jenny, your daughter, was it was it tougher for her? Jenny, we told when she more or less had guessed. I had been out at various events and so on. Um, regularly, I'd be going out two or three times a week and she wanted to know where I was. So I got a call one, one evening and she said, uh, and Helen said, listen, you better come home. Jenny's guest. Um, we need to tell her the full story. So we sat down on the couch, all three of us uh, holding hands. And it was a pretty emotional time, as you might imagine, when I explained to her what, what was happening, where I was going. She was only 12 at the time. Wow. She was about to go into secondary school. So she was under stress, pressure worry and then suddenly to have her father turning into her essentially another mother was a challenge to say the least but she we hugged and kissed and what have you after we had the discussion and she was going up to bed and she said she just turned around and she just said you've got to be who you are and I mean what yeah. what wisdom from a 12 year old and yeah. I wish a lot of my um, so, well I won't say a lot because that implies yeah. uh, a lack of support but um, some friends and some family would do well to learn yeah. from those comments uh, you're um 
I mean, you're an educator now, basically, with Under under the Rainbow. I mean, what's the, what are the basic tenets? What are the, what's the job? The job is to, as you say, educate, um, inform. Um, we, we, we do a lot of work with, with companies who want, uh, let's say, training in LGBTQ issues to some degree, but then also the wider discrimination and um, equality areas, unconscious bias, intersectionality, intersectionality where you've where you've got say you can be trans but you can be bisexual, um, you okay. trans and disabled or you know or blind and gay, you know something like that. So. Um, a lot of these things are now coming to the fore and we're, we have the expertise to be able to inform and uh, help companies to overcome the challenges. I suppose as well, what, uh, under the rainbow is a therapy center. So we, we counsel, we have counselors and uh, we have clients who come in with their issues, their problems, personal problems, and we help them get through the difficult times. Uh, we have something like 15 uh, counsellors now and we're, we're literally uh, busier than we've ever been. We were set up maybe th- two and a half years ago and we're busier than we've ever been. I think COVID has really, it's, it's really put the emphasis on mental health yeah. and how important our mental mental health is. And after 18 months of it, you can, uh, I know, speaking from experience, I know that my moods, my, 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 I just don't feel the same as I did before COVID. First lockdown, good. Second lockdown, not so good. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was so positive during the first lockdown because I was actually off work for about 12 weeks and then we gradually started going back and I've I've been back full time since about last August and it was, it's just been hell. It really has been hell. So again, getting out on the bike helps immensely. And Saturday mornings, I usually go to Holt or maybe down to Blessington and around the lakes and so on. And that helps tremendously. But unfortunately, as good as exercise and cycling is, you do need, at times, you do need professional help as well. And so a counsellor, a therapist can, can help immensely. What's the future for you? I mean, you're clearly um, very active. I mean, you're an activist in every sense by the, by the sound of it. Uh, what's the what's the next year, 10 years old? Next 10 years, that's a good question. Um, one thing I really feel is really, really important, and again, it leads into the, the, the benefits of cycling, is climate change. Um, I really feel that I need to, we all need to become climate change activists and promote the use of green energy um, and and sustainable transport, um, because when you think of it, there is no planet B. There is, we have one chance at this, and that chance is fading away. We really do have to be careful, and and start reducing our our impact on the world, because even if Elon Musk is talking about. Uh, colonizing Mars and so on, 
that's not going to happen for, for quite a while. You know? We can't go using up planets, can we? No, no, we can't. <laughs> yeah. And the window is closing. And the window is closing, yeah. We have to achieve those targets that were set down for 2030 and 2050. We have to achieve. There's no... this, And this summer has proved it. The fact that the floods and the and and, and the heat, the, the fires all over California. My daughter's uh, boyfriend's uh, uh, father's house uh, was was uh, very, very nearly burnt. Very, very nearly. It was like it was 100 yards away from the house and they were fighting the fires. And in California. In California. Yeah, yeah, Northern California. You know, never happened before. Never happened before. And there's still a fire going on, mm. I think. I can't remember the name of it. But... Uh, it's, it's been going on for, what, two months now? Well, stay active and yeah. uh, stay pushing on. And no doubt the bike will play an important part. Oh, of course it will. Of green, course it will. Greening of the planet. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks very much, uh, Philippa, and thank you very much uh, uh, for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And to find out the latest news, opinions, and reports from the wide and wonderful world of cycling, check out welovecycling.ie. We Love Cycling, powered by Skoda. Skoda.